This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to a BGN Podcast Extra. My name is Jamie. This episode is about the film Birth of a Nation. Hosted by Jacqueline, Joelle, and Lauren, they unpack their feelings, their thoughts, and also their critical reviews about the very controversial film led by, directed, produced by Nate Parker. Well, we were covering it, and Jacqueline, as well as Lauren and Joelle, decided to convey their thoughts, their opinions, their perspectives about this film, things that they found problematic about this film, the things that they really liked about this uh, particular production, also the way the audience received the film over at Toronto International Film Festival, and some of the team members of our BGN interviewed some of the cast members, some of the female cast members, and got their insights as well. So I do need to forewarn you, there are spoilers in this episode, so if you have not seen Birth of a Nation yet, be aware of that, and if you don't plan on seeing the film, <laughs> then, uh, then you'll probably get some of the plot here, but it's a really great, insightful conversation, and I think it's one that will probably shift your perspective a little bit. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a BGM podcast extra of Birth of a Nation presented at the Toronto International Film Festival covered by Black Girl Nerds with Jacqueline, Joelle, and Lauren. Hey everyone, so I'm Jacqueline, and today myself, Joelle, and Lauren, fresh off our inaugural year at TIFF, are here to discuss A Birth of a Nation. At this point, just saying the name of the film causes controversy, but some of us got to watch the film in Toronto, and while sitting down for a screening was not without controversy, we felt a podcast extra was needed to truly unpackage everything about the film. And there was a lot to unpackage, from the ability to separate art from the artist, to how black media is handled by mainstream Hollywood, and our overall opinions on the film. We are endeavoring to discuss all this for you, so that you can make your own decisions about whether to see the film, and perhaps give new insight to those of you who wish to see it when it premieres later this year. Because we will be discussing major plot points in the film, I will issue a blanket spoiler alert. So, ladies, um, let's talk about our feelings when we were sitting down to go see A Birth of a Nation. So, Lauren, I'll start with you. Well, um, I didn't see it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there's a few reasons behind it. Um, Really only two. One, uh, scheduling. Um, we had a lot of movies to see and there were a lot of movies being played and there was just a lot going on. So I, I honestly just could not work it into my schedule, but additionally, I, the desire to see it, um, has waned, uh, especially with, with the amount of controversy surrounding it. I've, I've moved it from my must see column to the, I'll get around to it at some point when things calm down column. Um, is it that and you it's don't a... want to pay for the movie or no it's not a matter of paying it's just you know there's so much there's so much else out there now and, and I, I want to be able to enjoy it you know with maybe without the controversy being first and foremost in my mind 
Copy. The movies that I did see, I I went in completely blind. I knew absolutely nothing about them, had no preconceived notions or expectations, and thoroughly enjoyed them. There's mm. so much swirling around this film. There's no way I'd be able to walk in, sit down, and watch and appreciate it for a film and not think about everything that I've read and heard prior to that. So I just wanted to give it some time. Um and distance. So that, and distance, right. So that I could actually sit down and watch it and try to enjoy it the same way I enjoyed the other films that I did see uh, during the festival. Yeah. Cool. And that's fair. And your opinion was similar to a lot of folks that I talked to, um, both in and outside the festival, some of which were just blanket, like, I can't see it. Point blank, mm-hmm. period. Like, they were just like, mm-hmm. I'm out on Birth of a Nation. Um, Joelle, what about you? Um, before I got there, I thought that it was just an important film. Like, I'm I'm really into zeitgeist moments. I really want to be a part of things as they're happening uh, right away. And I thought that because of all of the controversy, it was important to see it and to make sure that I formed my own opinion uh, so as not to kind of be too swayed later by what I hear. Because eventually there'll be, like, a public consensus on the film. And at that point, you know, for me, it's hard to make up my mind after that because I know how everyone feels about it. So I wanted to go in fresh-eyed and and just see what was there, what they had done. Yeah, and I'll say, um, for me personally, um, knowing that, you know, I was kind of, I guess, organizing this coverage, it was the one thing that's, like, on my calendar and on my list of things to do that kind of, like, got circled and highlighted because... I knew that it was going to be something that I had to make sure that I handled correctly, if you know what I mean. Like, I was much more, my thoughts towards the film were were very much less about the film itself, I hate to say that, and much more about making sure that I did my job correctly and authentically and without bias as much as possible. Like, I, I definitely was very cognizant of that going into it. Because, you know, I'd read a ton. Like, there's, I was the opposite of blind. I've read every article about this. Um, you know, I put a video talking about it, you know. So I had a overabundance of information about the film in my head. So it was almost like the opposite. I had too much information and I needed to make sure that I didn't allow it to bias how we covered the film or if I saw it, how I saw the film. So... Yeah, I was definitely, like, trying to work away from all of that. Um, And then when we got to TIFF, man, it was like, there was a vibe around Birth of a Nation. I know you guys felt it. It was weird, because it was definitely twofold. Yeah. It was like, it was loved or hated. Mm -hmm. I found no no middle ground, which is weird, because I feel pretty squarely in the middle. Um, The things I hated, I really hated. The things I loved, I really loved. Uh... But it it was it was definitely caused a divide. But then to have a six minute standing ovation, it was just so weird. It was very weird. <laughs> yeah, but not only that. I mean, like first there was the controversy of like, okay, are they going to do a um, a press conference? And then you know who was invited to cover the film? Like mm. I know this is a little inside baseball, so I don't really want to talk about it too much. But you know, Fox Searchlight you know, flew particular black press out there to cover the film. Um, and specifically only that film. This was not, these were not accredited 
press at TIFF. These are people that they flew out from L.A. and New York just to cover the film. And um, the South. We have a lot of Southern radio stations mm-hmm. in that room. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say, like, that happens all the time. The movie companies fly, people, man, that happens all the time. But it was very, you know, they were very careful about how it was promoted. And you could tell that they were... You know, they made a $17 million investment in this film. They paid bank for this movie. Yeah. So much cash. So I totally, there's no shade to them for wanting to protect their product. Like, Yeah. And, you know, there had to be a lot of them that were like, I really hate that we're having to deal with this in the promotion of it, as opposed to well, they could have rode, you know, the anti-Oscar so white train all the way probably to an Oscar and just had a great movie that they presented. And that was not what was going on. That was not part of the vibe uh, in Toronto. So, Lauren, you didn't see the film, but me and Joel did. <laughs> oh, <And> boy. And <laughs> uh. one of the main reasons we're doing this as a podcast is because, again, like Joel said, this is a very divisive movie, even among us, even among yeah. the two of us as, you know, Reporters on the scene for for Black Girl Nerds, we had very different opinions. So, Joel, I'll let you go first on like after <laughs> you saw the film, how you felt. Uh, well, first, I did write a review, guys. If you want to check it out, it's on NerdsOfColor dot com, and it's it's a lot. It's spoiler heavy, um, but I'll give you the condensed version here. Um, this movie is shot well. There are scenes in it specifically. There's a scene. I call it the transformation scene where Turner kind of realizes his situation and he's seen these slaves just being treated horribly his whole life. He's he's a slave, but he's not been treated the cruelest and he's taken to another farm to preach, essentially, and conditions are deplorable. Like, your heart will hurt. Um, and the the realization of that for him is shown through this amazing can- like handheld camera. And you feel his whole world sinking in on him. And it's such a powerful moment, especially if you've ever had that moment where you realized that you're a part of an oppressed people. Um, I know I certainly had it. I grew up in an all-white community. I have an in first grade. It was terrifying when you're like, oh, so you think I'm less. And it's that moment humped up so much because, you know, slaves and, and horrible. Um, I cried through the whole movie. I'll say that first and foremost, it is for sure a letter to the black population today, which I think is great because if you've watched the original Birth of a Nation, it's a letter to white people. Love your race. It's great. You guys have accomplished a lot. Um, this does the exact same thing for black people. It's you can love yourself. You, uh, I was in the press conference and um, one of the actors said that they were proud to be from slaves. And I'm not sure I ever heard that sentence uttered. And you get that. Yeah, it was it was so it was so powerful in that room to just hear in the clearest voice, just I'm proud to be a descendant of slaves. And you get that from this film. But my my love of the film stops there for several reasons. Um, one, I don't mind God King stories in mythology. Um, a God King is basically someone who uh, God has touched and said, you will do great. And then obstacles seem to flee their path because they've been touched. Um, and we get a lot of that in this movie. Um, outside of being a slave, there are not a lot of moral predicaments for Turner. There's not a lot of, like, str- everything he does is just kind of done with success. There's not a lot of setbacks and having to refigure out a plan. There's not a lot of, 
um, you know, kind of calculating precision that he has to do is just kind of all laid out for him. I thought that was kind of boring, especially when you're in a 48-hour revolt that you get like 12 minutes of. I don't understand. I don't like the way women are treated in this film. I want to tread carefully here because the women who star in this film, the actual actresses, care so much. I sat down and talked with two of them. Um, I heard Gabrielle Union speak about her part. Like, they love what they've been able to accomplish here, and I get what they were trying to do. I don't think it translates well on screen. I don't think that the small parts of Gabrielle Union that we get resonate out to, like... Like, the way it appears to me, just on screen, without knowing anything else about the film, if I had never heard anyone talk about their role, Gabrielle Union's character is there, Esther, I'll call her Esther, Esther is there to be raped. She's there to make you feel bad about the fact that people got raped, and that was it, because you don't see much of her outside of that. I think you see her get married, and she looks happy, but that's it. You get one happy day, the worst day, and that's it. She's not a fully formed person. And you care because you never want to see that happen to anyone. But it doesn't resonate in the larger picture of what does this do to us as humans. Well, don't you feel like there's male characters that have that too? Like the the suffering characters that they show in the scene that kind of catalysts Nat's transformation? That one makes more sense to me just because we are going to a different space. This is their whole lives. And that's what that's meant to represent, I felt, was like, oh, you know, like, on other places, like, there was no repeat. There was never even a hint of friendship. It was just, your cattle, you'll do what I say, or I'm going to make you pay for it. You're, it's just going to happen. And so I understood why, in that essence, we just needed a day. We just needed to see what conditions outside of the main plantation we were focusing on were like. But she lived on this plantation, right alongside. And the fact that she, hers is the second rape in the film. And it's just as, again, just as far as looking at cinema structure... We have two rapes of characters, one who you've known since her beginnings on the plantation and one who you haven't seen. Like, it just becomes redundant. Like, you don't gain any more information. And then on top of that, for her not to be able to get her own revenge or, you know, recovery from it, but it's her husband who does. And I understand that when rape happens, it happens to more than just the person it happened to. Families are affected. Friends are affected. I completely understand that. But the women are never shown as being able to reclaim anything. They are there to stitch up Nat Turner. They are there to make sure that he feels confident in his goals, to make sure that he is on a righteous path. But women never take up arms. Women never, you know, get to take their revenge in any kind of way. And I'm tired of women being left out of the revolution. I'm tired of just sitting on the sidelines and supporting black men, which is great. And I think we should continue to do, but we're always there. We're always there, whether it's in the planning, whether it's in holding a gun, whether it's, you know, taking care, like, even even a shot of how do you keep that many kids quiet while these guys are out killing? Like, how do you keep the children safe? Because they're going to come for the easiest targets. Like, there's, there's just no throwback to what are women doing? How do they suffer? How do they survive during these times other than they get raped? And I have a huge problem with that. Yeah. I mean, with the added knowledge of, again, who created the film and his past, I mean, you can't not have even stronger feelings about it, right? Because, yeah, it sets a narrative that is already troubling 
it's already a troubling narrative and it's coming from a person where, you know, again, I do not know Nate Parker personally. I do not know what's in his heart. I do not have any relationship with him, but what I've read and what we know to be fact, um, makes me question some of the decisions he made as far as sexual assault with women within this film. It, it, it is, it is very disturbing. I did not have as many issues with that aspect of the film as much as I personally felt that it was just a first-time director making a lot of first-time director mistakes. I personally just felt that the film was not as good as people thought it was coming out of Sundance. That was the biggest thing that I kind of pulled from the film after I watched it because... If we want to go ahead and turn back the clock to earlier this year, Sundance happens in January. This is right, I think, before or immediately after. I think it was immediately after they announced the Oscar nominations. And then, Mm. you know, Jada has her day in the sun. Everybody's talking about (laughs) Oscar so white again. And Sundance happens, you know, late January. And here is this film by an independent, privately funded black director, written, starred, and produced. And I definitely do feel that the white media was like, okay, here comes the great black hope. And we're going to have this black Jesus movie save us all from feeling like we're racist. Like, that's just my personal opinion. No, it's totally that. It's completely that. Because, again, it's a movie that is meant to play on your emotions. That's not negative. That's what movies do. They they are meant to elicit emotions. So I get it. But people way overlook a ton of stuff. Like, the fullest Hollywood love story. Like, guys, come on. Like, I just, it's just crazy to me. Like, I, I get I it. I get, we get it. We we get it. <laughs> Sorry. I just say I was in line with a black producer, and I was talking to her about my feelings on the film, and she was like, "Oh no, I I totally hear you. I get it. Like structurally not sound." She's like, "But don't you find it amazing that the film got made?" And I had to pause at that point. And I, again, I I went in blind. I didn't do a lot of research. So then at that point, I went back and did a lot of research. And uh, Nathan went to everybody. Every every black Hollywood superstar, yeah. celebrity person, without naming any names, he went to and was like, look, here's this film about our people from here made by an American. I, I want to make this film. No, 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 no. Because no. 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 it, this is a controversial story. They don't talk about it in textbooks. This was a huge mm-hmm. moment in the American Civil War lead up was the mm-hmm. Matt Turner re- uh, revolt because it brutalized a lot of Southern plantation owners because they became really afraid of their slaves doing what the people, you know, doing what Nat Turner did. And so things got a lot more brutal after that, which then further sparked the abolitionist movement. It was a huge moment in the timeline that we don't ever talk about in the history books. And I was watching the James Baldwin documentary and he talks a lot about the fact that, you know what, it does anger him that Nat Turner is not something that black children know about. And that was back in 1967. So even back then they realized like, Hey, this is something that was important to American history, whether you like it or not, it was still something that you should be talking about that we have essentially deleted because it offends the sentiments of some people. You know what I mean? Um, um, and I'll go ahead and say too, you know, again, when I was looking at the film, I I definitely just felt that there was a lot of mistakes that were made 
And I did try, and I, I will go ahead and say this. I'm not saying that this is right or wrong or that this is necessarily the way to go about things, but I tried very hard to be much more, I would say, surgical and critical in my evaluation of the film. I didn't want it to be emotionally driven because I think if I had made it emotionally driven, I would have just gotten pissed. And I would have gotten pissed <laughs> not just about the way females are portrayed in the film. I would have gotten pissed at how basically the white press was bamboozled into just like putting this film into this huge sphere as the greatest thing ever invented when I think it's a good film, but I don't Mm -hmm. think it is what they wanted. In fact, I did see what they should have been lauding when I watched Moonlight. And when you put those two films Mm. up against each other, it is like not even a comparison. Or when you look at the documentary by James Baldwin, I Am Not Your Negro, I saw so many just, unbelievably well-made, well-directed, excellent films at the Toronto International Film Festival. And Birth of a Nation was a good film. Um, And for a first-time director, I'd even say it was probably a great film. But it was not what they lauded it to be. And it was the right film at the right time in front of the right audience that, you know, I think they just... They just wanted to feel good about themselves. And I, I'm, again, I'm not saying that every single critic who wrote a review about it, that that was, you know, their mindset. They may have all really thought this is the greatest film ever. But, but I just... But it comes from an emotional place. Like, we yes, talked about how, yes. like, you go in not knowing anything. And so Sundance is pure buzz and excitement. Mm-hmm. And, like, even here, like, after it screened, I know a lot of people who saw it at Sundance still went to the opening night premiere at TIFF to see it again. And... It's the only film that got a six-minute standing ovation. Like, La La Land, which won the award for... Um, audience award, yeah. Thank you. The audience award didn't get... Like, it had maybe a minute standing ovation. Like, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Like, the film it will make you feel. Like, you can't deny that. Like, all of your emotions come bubbling to the surface. So I totally understand why you wanted to go in and do an analytical review of it. Um, but I also feel like... <laughs> We had a lot of debate about my review, and I I wanted to come from an emotional point because I know that's how people are going to go into it. And in watching it, I was like, oh, my, I don't know if you guys have seen Crystal's episode of Drunk History, but at the end of it, she does uh, the Underground Railroad, and at the end of it, she's like, black people have been through so much. Like, it's just exhausting to talk about black history in America sometimes because it's just... <laughs> He just like, we have been through so much. And that was kind of how I felt walking out. Like, I told Lorna, I had to look for a black person to hug afterwards. I was uh-huh. like, here, like, we've been through it. We did it. And it, you feel so, it just, it's heavy. But then when you stop to think about it, and you're like, huh, okay, I don't understand why the white master, who you don't feel any sympathy for, but he had a better arc than everybody else. Yeah, and Penelope Ann Miller had the best arc of a female in the movie. Let, let's keep it oh. real. She had the most conflict, the most, I have done something that is now going to affect my life. Because, mm-hmm. and essentially by teaching uh, Nat Turner about the word of God and scripture and teaching him to read and, and basically also sort of reinforcing this idea that he was different, she essentially created the hand that murdered her son. I mean, that's yeah. that's what she did. And so you feel more emotion and sympathy and arc for her than you do for the black women in the film who are on screen way more and should have way more of an arc and way more of a, I mean... Personality? Yeah. They play, they play his, literal, his mother, his grandmother, his wife. These are the roles the women play. 
They are not three dimensional. They don't have like things of their own. Everything they think pertains back to Turner. And I just, it's just incredibly frustrating to watch. I uh, posted after I watched it that I wish Aaron Magruder was still doing the boondocks. But then my friend was like, but didn't you see uh, Catcher Friedman is an episode they do, which pretty much is is exactly (laughs) my feelings. Like, you don't even need to read the view. Like, just go watch the Catcher Friedman episode (laughs) of Boondocks. And that's exactly how I felt about this movie. I was like, okay, I see you. I see you. And so, yeah. So, and then I'm going to bring Lauren here because she witnessed all of this like back and forth and like now we're able to like talk about it but this was like days of like no i think about this and like i was like no yeah you have to take it back and so like listening to both of us talk about it back and forth and coming from different places but i think joel i'd be right in assuming we both agree it's it's still a good film but we just have mm-hmm. different criticisms of it it's a solid reasons. c film if you're just looking at it as a movie as it's constructed I would give it a solid, like a, a C plus to a B minus. Yeah. But if you're at all involved in activism, then make your blood boil. <laughs> so what did you think, Lauren, seeing it from the outside? I still think I'm not really in a hurry to go watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I think from what I did observe, um, it seems like the best move they made was sort of pulling back on having Nate speak and having the women in the film be the face as opposed to him. Mm. Um, I think Gabrielle Union could be a preacher. That girl had an entire press room in tears. Mm. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She is so passionate and and just forthcoming with her thoughts, which is why I I cannot drag her performance because I know what it means to her and she performed the part well. I just wish it made sense cinematically. Yeah, I, I, I think that that helps and will probably help in the future the more that happens let's i think the best way to come out in front is to remove his name from it and just start focusing on the women more um but that's really I, hard when he wrote directed produced and stars in it that's the other character he's, he's that bad part. apple right like he's it's just he's that rotten apple in the bunch and it's it's going to be hard to convince people to go see it if all they think about when they hear the title is, is they see his face and his name. Yeah, because let's also talk about the 8 million think pieces from every black feminist that said, you know, basically, I mean, I had it point blank told to me that I was a traitor for even, you know, wanting to see the film, let alone okay, well, being... That's, that's yeah. much. No, it's true. That's not much. I know it's true because I had the exact opposite th- hurled at me. How dare you take down a black man trying to tell <laughs> yeah. our story? How dare you? So it's coming from both sides. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's what makes the film so complicated at this point. It's like, especially, you know, Black Lives Matter is led by queer women mostly, you know, and queer mm-hmm. men. And, and there's this movement of like, black women deserve representation. Like we deserve to be seen and shown and, and our roles deserve to be highlighted. And then to have women so passionate and, and so honest about the things that they've been through, their their struggles, and then say, we tried to bring that to this film. We tried to show it. And I was so excited. I, I really felt like, you know, the stuff that they had put up was going to be what we were missing. It's just so far from the mark. I, I really feel like I, I would encourage those that are like, I'm not going to go see it. I understand if you don't want to put money in Nate Parker's pocket. I totally get that. But if you get a chance to see it, I, I think you should. I think it's yeah. worthwhile yeah. to view 
Yeah, film. It, it'll be sense. one of those that I'll I'll watch, of course, because of the subject matter, because it's a, it's an important story that needs to be told. And it's like I said, it's not a matter of me just not wanting to give him my money. I just want to be able to enjoy it as much as I possibly can. You know, in this day and age of spoilers and everything breaking months in advance before a movie. I mean, you know, the end of a movie before it even comes out seems yeah. like these days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do that. I My goal is to do that less and less as time goes on. Um, and with this, there's just so much swirling around it. There's just no way. I just want to be able to enjoy it as much as I possibly can without having the first thing I think of when I see the title I'll go, oh, nope, no controversy. Nope, <laughs> nope. no, I'm going to stay away. Nope, do you know, not want. I'll, I'll, yeah, <laughs> I, I just want to be able to enjoy it and be able to look at it as objectively as possible um, and, and go in as a, as a, you know, with a, with a critical eye, but critical in terms of how the film is constructed and made and not just critical of the creator. And I will say as someone that tried to do that, being immersed in all of the other before that, because again, I read every article think piece thing about it, mostly because again, I'm researching how to cover, how to produce coverage for a festival. So I did as much as I could on every film. I can tell you, I don't know how successful I was in separating the two. I think maybe I swung too far to the other side in the sense that I was so concerned with trying to be objective that maybe I didn't allow even some of my emotions to bubble up that would have been there. Um, I got I got more angry at, you know, the critics I felt coming out of Sundance than I should have uh, maybe gotten <laughs> angry at the actual structure of the film. I mean, again, that's just my opinion because, again, I cannot stress enough this is a $17 million. It broke the record for amount of money that was spent on a film that premiered at Sundance. This is an important thing to remember. They don't write that kind of check unless they think that movie is going to be like 12 years a slave. Like well, the, and the other thing is Netflix offered more. Yeah. Like Netflix wanted what, like 20, 25 million. Yeah. For yeah. It? Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, but then they don't they don't get the they don't get the the movie like the movie isn't going to make as much in theaters if you go with Netflix right so they got to so totally understand yeah. why they made their decision I'm saying like even more money was offered like yes. it could have yes. been an even bigger yeah. blowout um and I I, I mean know. I don't know again this is a, this goes back to where I have issues with the whole thing because I think if it wouldn't have come out when it came out and if there wouldn't have been the things surrounding it when it happened this would have came out and it would have been a a good to mediocre film by a first time director that got a little bit of buzz and you know, it it would have been, you know, it would have gotten some buzz and it would have had some moments, but it wouldn't have been this thing. Um, I just don't think it deserved it. I mean, I saw Moonlight and like to give you another side to talk about women, Naomi Harris plays a crack addicted mother, which is an archetype we have seen over and over again. It is cliche to the point of nauseam, but she managed to have it become unique and and new with the way that she portrayed the character and the arc that she took the character on and how she interacted with her son in a way that was so authentic that you didn't care that it came from this initial cliche. It was so fresh. Um, And there's examples of that throughout the film, Moonlight. Not to talk about another movie here, but when we're talking about it, I would have much rather that we pin the great black hope on that film as opposed to this one. And Do you think I, this is a driving Miss Daisy moment? I mean, 
Just I don't the, know. Or even a crash. I can even I can prefer to crash because that that's yeah still race. Yeah, race, I would say crash more that. I would say more crash. Like like time is gonna look back on this movie and we're gonna be like, yeah, this had its thing, but this is not a good as as good of a movie as we thought when we first saw it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. but does it? And again. I will go and say, I don't think it's bad. Like, they're, they're straight up bad movies at TIFF. Like, I mean, we they're talked true. about it early. They're straight up movies where you're like, that was a waste of two hours. I don't think you can say that about Birth of a Nation. Again, for me, I think it's a first-time director's film that makes a lot of first-time director mistakes. There's a reason why Moonlight is, it's Barry Jenkins' second film, and it took him eight years to make it, and it shows. Damien Chazil, La La Land, one of the other big films, this is his second film as well. There's a reason why it takes people a while to get good at filmmaking. It ain't easy, you know? And mm-hmm. I will give Nate Parker and the people behind the movie this. It It's hard work to make a bad film. It takes a lot of effort, and they got to go up a lot of... They got to fight a lot of uphill battles to make a bad film. So I do give them props for, you know, again, first-time director making the story what he did because it's still going to be reviewed positively. I don't think when it comes out, all of a sudden it's going to get negative reviews. Um, I still think it's going to be nominated for Oscars, although I think it'll be less than what it would have been, you know, three months ago. Um, But, you know, it is what it is at at this point. (laughs) So I don't even know who you give the Oscar to. I mean, it'll probably get what, I don't know, it'll get down mixing or editing or something costume design. Maybe I don't know if it'll get if people are so forgiving of controversy when it comes to us as it is to others. Yeah, I think it'll get I think it'll get nominated for best picture. I don't think it'll get nominated for writing. I think it will get nominated for cinematography because it was beautiful at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. but I, just I thought its editing was really impressive. They yeah. used a lot of audio cues to snap yeah. into other moments that were jar- like purposefully jarring and effectively jarring. Yeah. Um. So I would be okay with that. I want I, uh, go ahead. Aja Naomi King to be showered with awards. I'm not sure if this is the one. No, I don't think so. I think I think you have a better chance with either Army Hammer or Penelope Ann Miller, honestly, like I said. Yeah, that's so annoying. It's true though. I mean, do you if think I'm wrong? wrong? Do you think I'm no, wrong? No, no, not even a little bit. You're you're 100% spot on, but it's just the most annoying thing <laughs> to hear. Like, yeah. oh my god. Oh, I don't want white people to win awards for this. And again, <laughs> that comes from an emotional place, not from a cinematic place cuz they both earned it. They yeah. put in work shows so oh god (laughs) sorry (laughs) so (laughs) so final like just to kind of sum it up i mean like i said um i don't think we made this very clear um because we didn't talk about it a lot because again it has been talked at at nauseum but nate parker and his history is one thing we're talking about the film here and you know we definitely obviously that is a shadow that is cast upon this film but it's bigger than Nate Parker as far as its issues and its problems and everything else it's not just him there's more things about the film that have positive and negatives not that I will you say that there are 400 it. people yeah. okay all right yes there are 400 people who worked on this film yes. and yes. they all came with their own reasons and their own baggage and it works i'm saying I didn't feel the need at any point to separate Nate from the movie and it will have an effect on you. And I'm really looking forward to hearing our audience's response to this movie because you guys, when you come out and you start talking about films, you have unique perspectives. And I know that in a culmination of black women, like I just can't wait to hear what you guys are saying about it. 
Yeah, I mean, everyone's got to see the film. There's black press, though, that loved it. Like, flat out loved it. Like, raved. Well, it's also, it's also a spiritual film. And I think that the Christian sect is really going to feel it. Like, they talk about it a lot in the press room, and a lot of the questions surrounding it were about the Christian-based ideologies that happened throughout the film. Um, and Nate himself called it a faith-based film. And I think that for a lot of, you know, faith-based people, you, you like, there's a lot of Jesus um, analogies that can be drawn in from it. No, this is the Black um, Jesus movie. Let's just go and say, yeah. like I said, it is. It's the Black Jesus movie um, and the way that they shot it and you know, wrote it in a lot of ways. I, again, I, um, I'll just say, I think people should see it. I don't think people should boycott it off the get. I think that it's going to invoke emotions regardless of whether you, you, you like them, you like the emotions it evokes or not. And you know what, in, in storytelling and filmmaking for better or worse, that is sometimes the ultimate goal is to just drive your audience to feel something. Right. Mm-hmm. it does that effectively yeah mm-hmm. all right that's all for us yeah this is just one of the films we saw at, at the toronto international film festival and as you can see there was a lot to discuss about it i encourage you all to keep following us on our reviews and uh videos that will be released i'm jacqueline um Monique. You can follow me uh, at Joel Monique on Twitter. I'll be uh, at CAA on Thursday doing a panel for Westworld. So I'll be live tweeting about that. That sounds cool. Hey, everybody. It's Lauren. You can follow me at I am Lauren P. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm around talking movies and video games and screenwriting and whatnot. And I'm Jacqueline. You guys can also follow me on Twitter. Again, keep checking our our Toronto International Film Coverage. We'll be releasing throughout the rest of this month. And I will be at Fantastic Fest here in Austin seeing weird and disturbing films all weekend and bringing you reviews and interviews from that. So be ready. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.